before the podcast how to start this like what are some cool cool ideas like you know let's jump in tell some stories try to make it relatable to the topics of course but you know we were kind of going back and forth before the episode and you know it brought up a super interesting point to me and it's this idea of like hooking the user right and basically without giving too much away we had two camps between the three of us we had one camp where we want to kind of banter, show you guys like one side of us, and then the other camp, and I won't tell you who it was first, um, is just a little more interested in giving useful information off off rip, which I, I also understand the appeal. And I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Like, uh, eventually, we came to the conclusion that why don't we talk about this because it is related to content and content creation. So what do you think, Thomas? So... I guess two things are, are super important, especially when it comes to podcasts. I mean, you want to create this living room atmosphere, right? You want the people sit in the same room and you just listen to a chat of people that could be that could be your buddies. And then, of course, in a real living room conversation is not always super focused. You go left, right, and that is something that a good podcast manages to capture. And then also you don't <coughs> want that your time is wasted, so, so it cannot be too much. I also think it's individual preference right some some listeners i mean all podcasts that have some some off-topic bantering going on they always mention how some people complain about it some others love it i tend to i tend to like it un unless it goes too far away from something that interests me then i tend to hit the skip button if i'm already friendly to the podcast and if i'm not yet already friendly to the podcast then i switch off and think okay never mind yeah, I suppose it depends on the on the on the topics, right? So we kind of talk a little bit more about like actual advice. You could call it like soft consulting or soft, I don't know, soft advice um, or even hard advice for that matter. So for us, you know, it's a little bit more tricky where you kind of want to establish like a tone. We want people to get to know us, you know, like who's behind the, the camera, um, so to speak. Um, so jo Jonas. To, to to reveal Jonas kind of agreed with myself where, you know, when you listen to podcasts, especially a medium like podcasts, which is something long format, um, it's, it, it could be heavy, you know, if it can be heavy, if it's just smacking the user in the face with like rich content after rich content. So I personally like the reprieve Jonas. What do you think? Yeah. Same here. I like a, yeah. like a little loose intro just, just to get a hang of it. Um, also to get to get in the mood for what's yeah. going to follow, and um, yeah, usually sometimes these these little sections where you divert left and right also provide the the most insight, or can be the sections. Yeah. Um, yeah. So overall, I would say, especially for short intros, or for for an intro to an episode, a little like storytelling. I don't know what just happened last week. What did you do yesterday? Like something like this. Um, always feels feels good as long as it doesn't get super boring. Obviously, I mean it depends on some people can tell you how they went grocery shopping for an hour straight and you feel super entertained, and then there's other people that tell you like a actually interesting story but still make it manage to make it sound boring. I guess it uh, really depends on the uh, the person that's doing it, right? There are some exactly. I know some pretty fantastic natural storytellers, and they can captivate you with like you said a story about going to the market. 
Yeah. You know? so, so guys, let's do a special episode where Jonas talks one hour about going grocery shopping and then <laughs> the listeners can vote on how entertaining it was. Let's I'm see. looking forward to this one. Wait, Jonas, that is actually a good question though, because so me and Thomas live in Germany. Is there a difference between like the grocery store experience in Austria compared to yeah, Germany where you live? There's one major difference and that is, is that it? people here are actually friendly. <laughs> <laughs> do they stare the as much major as major differentiator between your like being in town experience between germany and uh, austria people tend to say hi people might even ask you how was your day well, no you might have a little chit chat in between like people are overall friendly and they look at you like you're a human being and not just either a customer or but on the other hand like the i don't know shop employee but, but to be fair to be fair I think it depends a bit on the stores you go to in Germany. I mean, if you go to all these discounters and regular supermarkets, then it's true. But if you go to more like, I don't know, we have cool markets here in Heidelberg. I shop on the markets. And let me tell you, people there are usually super friendly. They even, they even after a few times, recognize you. Yeah, I mean, of course. But I mean, the, the overall shopping experience for 99% yeah, it's a shit. is going to Aldi, Rewe, Edeka. And who actually goes to the market i mean some people do maybe once a week on saturdays but like where you do your regular grocery shopping that's usually not where you do it do you yeah yeah i mean thomas seems like the the uh you guys call it bio but in english we say organic market goer or enjoyer is that right yeah. thomas yeah we try i mean yeah this but but mostly i go to the to the regular like you would call it the farmer's market okay. in the states and this type of market yeah. is w what what we usually shop See, at. i haven't seen a farmer's market and i don't know if i've ever seen one to be honest really yeah i mean of course i've seen one uh, but uh, like that i that i plan hey i need some i need some carrots let me go to the market now usually i just go to the closest supermarket because there i can also get the other shit i need Yeah, Thomas is like, I need some carrots. I need to find my, my local farmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fresh from the farm, guys. Fresh yeah. from the farm. Farm to table. Yeah. FTW. Okay, let's get into it, shall yeah. we? So the topic of today's, ep of today's episode is actually not as linear as the last episode. We kind of had like a, a pretty general theme for the last episode, which was branding. So if you do want to check that out, Head over to your favorite podcasting service. You can find us. Uh, we're, we're actually adding it to more services periodically. It just takes a little ramp up time signing up for, for all the different services. So stay tuned. Um, check out the website. You can submit questions as well, and then we can uh, get to them you know, in future episodes. Um, so on that note, I want to bring up the first topic. So looking at my quick little document here, we have question one. Now, this one is going to be directed at Jonas. So, Jonas, pay, pay close attention here. Hi, I'm Marius, or Marius. I'm a mountain bike athlete, and I have a decent following on social media. My main channels are Instagram and TikTok for short-form content, and periodically I also do videos on YouTube. I struggle a bit with playing on all platforms at the same time. What tends to work really well are live streams while riding my bike. So my question to you guys is, do you have any advice when it comes to publishing content across different platforms? Should I rather focus on one or go multi-channel? And how can I streamline my workflow? So to kind of set you up, Jones, before I pass it to you, Marius is a content creator, makes bicycle content, 
um, he has a, an issue of like plat, plat of omni platform, right? So omni versus multi, um, and th- this is a very common issue that a lot of content creators have. Wait, but briefly, let me. What's the difference between omni and multi? For me, that would have been the same. Well, omni it, is impossible, isn't it? Um, is omni not the right? Pl- Cannot be on all the platforms. Mono. Mono, omni. I guess all knowing, all seeing. All. Yeah. What we're talking yeah, about is more sense. than one channel at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just trying to sound smart. <laughs> yeah, true. Omni would be all. Backfired. Okay, so mono versus multi. That's what I meant. Um, it, it's a huge issue. You have two, you have basically like, it, this is the most bipartisan debate you could think of where it's, do you want, do you master one channel and become the per, go-to person of one channel? Or do you spread yourself as thin as possible to try to reach the widest audience? I guess it depends what type of content you're creating, how large your niche is, how big your category is. So Jonas, I shall pass it to you on that note. So maybe first thing I think going multi-channel is uh, a creator's 101 these days. So you can barely afford to be on a single platform only. I mean, there's there's few people that might be happy with Instagram only if they never do video and uh, yeah, don't don't like to do the, the TikTok style. But overall, I guess um, when it comes to managing multiple channels, I think by now there's a bunch of tools that allow you to do this in a very streamlined fashion. Uh, one being, for example, Brandwatch, uh, MailChimp have a product uh, called Content Studio that allow you to do that. Um, here you can create posts. They even... Uh, support you based on AI a bit so you can upload one asset and then it knows that for an Instagram post you need a square format so it kind of augments it if it's um, in landscape mode and puts a little padding top and bottom. Um, You can schedule it in a way where you would say hey if uh, I want to publish a video on YouTube but I want to create teasers and trailers for it then you can publish yeah a few teasers of on tiktok and instagram maybe uh publish one that goes out in parallel to the youtube video like hey live now swipe up watch the full video um i think these tools help help a ton um in basically managing your publishing schedule um when it comes to interaction i uh, haven't really seen what this would look like so replying to dms all that kind of stuff um but at the same time maybe one thing that uh, also goes towards the question should i rather focus on one or go multi-channel so first of all yes i guess multi-channel having a presence on many platforms does totally make sense then also oftentimes the type of content you just produce kind of dictates which platform is better suited for it is a longer form well obviously youtube is it short and uh Uh, portrait mode then it's maybe more suited for a story Um, nonetheless I think what helps or what can be a useful addition to all of this is maybe a own platform that you can create as a conversion target and where you can tell your fans hey if you want to stay up to date and maybe even receive notifications once in a while that you create a landing page for yourself um, or set up a unified platform um, basically something where you can direct all users to and where you have like basically where you own the contact to them because uh, don't it's forget ca- kind of like a 
kind of like a link tree, right? A link tree that actually does things as well. Pretty much like the link, link tree, tree would is be super like the, limited. Simpl the simplest yeah. form of this conversion target, so to say. Yeah. I and mean, link tree at the end of the day is literally a link tree. So it's like the thing that, that connects to all of your other, you know, all the other places where you appear. And that's super limited in my opinion. Yeah. And then basically yeah. the next uh, step would be a little website that pretty much does the same. It can link to your different platforms, similar to what you would do with Linktree. Yeah. And lastly, uh, if you want to put some interaction on your own platform, then there would be something where Unify or something similar could kick in and say, hey, I can publish content regularly on my own platform. People cannot just watch it, but they can also create an account and interact with me in some shape or form. Um, so yeah, that would be my somewhat middle long answer to this question i'm i'm gonna but i have a few i have a few different takes on this that i would like to chime in with here because because sure. i i feel like especially if you if you are at the beginning it makes a whole lot of sense to really focus on on one platform to really to really grow there and and then to branch out from there doesn't mean that distribution you 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 need something to maybe distribute it and to get people to know especially if you're like on a platform like youtube not everybody is hanging out on on youtube but like i i think the first starting point needs to be that you don't think so much about just channels and platforms but really about formats that you want to create Thomas, let me and briefly then interrupt you uh sure so then you need to put a disclaimer are you are you talking general creator advice because it specifically says in the question he has a decent following on social media and so he's basically passed that step so it kind of depends if we're talking to like general advice for new creators or whether we're answering the question well i think i think it's important to to address marius but try to also cast like a, a slightly wider net for anyone who's maybe in a similar boat sure so i think yeah. we can we and can, i think yeah we can come back to marius I mean, and Marys is asking, like, like focus more or do this. And I guess there is a cutoff point where you can then develop new formats. I, I, it's hard for me to know what, like, what means a decent following can can be five k, can be can be fifty k. Uh, uh, but but if you're like, I guess in in this range, then really try to to first maximize the one thing that you are doing and where you see some like in startup language you would say product market fit wouldn't you and and if you if you have this product market fit for one format because that is the thing like like the different networks they all have their different cultures and different formats even like on first sight they are similar i think like a tiktok is different from an instagram story is different from a youtube short in in the sense of what makes it successful and so it's i i think it's not just like posted on all channels using using a tool like the ones you mentioned or you could throw in there is like buffer and hootsuite and, and many others but but i think that is not the, the core issue how to publish on all these channels it's more like you you really need to find out the format that works on a given channel and and maybe even if it's a short form video thing you might have to do something very different for another platform and a very a different network to succeed Thomas, uh, layman's advocate here, like when you say format, you don't just mean like mechanically, right? Like what, what you know, what resolution, if it's vertical, <laughs> no, no. you mean like the literal, like for TikTok, it's like snappy, quick hooks, first, second, two seconds, you need to grab the attention. It's a lot of like funny, like dance dances and um, provocative questions and stuff like that. 
while on like LinkedIn, it's something else. That's what you mean, right? Yeah, that that okay. is what I mean. Just and, I, to... and, and I think like like the start the starting point needs to be like like what is it that I'm doing that that, that I'm producing that works as a format? Like right, if it's funny dancing movies that work super well or used to work super super well on TikTok, then maybe you still need to do something else for YouTube Shorts because YouTube has a different culture. No, YouTube is much more conversational, plays a, more, more of a role to to talk with and, and to your audience than maybe than maybe on TikTok. And so so it's very different. And I think you can definitely multi-platform. And I think at a certain level, it makes like, like everything you said about uh, uh, connect. So being independent of one platform, owning a chat, owning a channel, I would I would advocate for, of course, a Unify, but also a newsletter. That is the the thing you should definitely implement as a creator ASAP because that is something you own and that is direct. Like Joan Jonah said, right? I, I I would do this, but but I really believe it's less about the the or very often the workflow is not the issue. To succeed on multiple platforms, but it's really to get these the, these formats out and just find out what really works on your home, grow from there, and then branch out and create these these different formats is what is what I would be advocating for. And of course, even if this is in opposition what uh, to what Thomas just said, um, this might uh, also mean going through an experimentation phase where you do actually take the same content publish the exact same video at the exact same time on three platforms and kind of just see hey what percentage of my followers does engage does interact how many views do i get to just maybe if you if you struggle to to get a feel for what what might be better tiktok or what might be better instagram content just quantify it using yeah. a few videos you send out some feelers later on you can still create the dedicated content for for each platform Yeah, I think I was going to say something pretty similar. Uh, and like I said, it is like a debate that goes back and forth, like Thomas said, platform mastery. Because uh, as Thomas said, like, you need to truly learn the user segment on each platform. And it is like, like, at, at major companies or huge corporations, you have like social media managers for different platforms because of how different, you know, the users as well as the content formats could be. And I think bringing it back to, to Marius or, or Marius specifically, um, short form content is probably going to be the most effective thing for two reasons. Number one, it's the type of content, him as a, as a, a mountain biker, it's the type of content that is almost perfect for shorts because of how, like, I mean, I don't know too much about mountain biking, but Jonas, wouldn't you say there's like, big moments where like he clears a jump or he clears like a, a tough part of a trail that might be like four or five seconds or something like that. Is yeah. that, is that fair to say? It, a longer video tank tends to have like these banger moments. <clears throat> and yeah. then there's obviously some filler material because, okay. because you can't just do all of this and you need to kind of build up to that. Yeah. So, and, and then the second reason is that there's already existing content that he could snip up for those different short form things. And a, 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 a tertiary reason or like the third hidden reason of why that why shorts is super important is that YouTube shorts currently has one of like the biggest opportunities for creators because it's one of the um, it's one of the most used but the least populated. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll pull up a, an article or something and put it in the show notes for you guys afterwards. But there's like a massive opportunity 
um, and a lot of like unfilled niches on YouTube shorts specifically. And they're making a huge push to actually go into, um, to actually get creators to come onto shorts because they really lack a lot of creators. So that'd be my just icing on top for Marius. Focus on short form content. Focus on having, you know, consider getting your own platform where it, it can be essentially like the headquarters or the hub for most of your fans. Shameless plug. Check out Unify. That'll, that'll work perfectly for you, Marius. And um, on that note, I think that I, anybody have anything else, Thomas? I, I guess there is one more angle that we could bring up because he explicitly mentions having audience on, on Instagram and TikTok. If it would be just TikTok, depending on where your audience is based, like if it is mostly US-based, maybe then it makes from a de-risking standpoint sense to, to grow something outside of TikTok quickly because there is all the ongoing debate about TikTok potentially being banned at some point. So, so yeah, that, that would be like one very specific TikTok point. Yeah, and TikTok might ongoing get banned. Debate. In, that the in the US, US and then I, I also yeah in the US, but I also you heard this from from different states. Let's see if this comes to fruition and there could and be different workarounds. But uh, yeah, and probably it's not going to be a straight up ban, but they're more likely to ban like specific practices that TikTok employs, uh, basically data protection, data privacy in that realm, and then it's going to be up to TikTok to either react and address this in some shape or form or then be non-compliant. So they're not going to say basically TikTok is forbidden, but rather sharing right. of information, so and so, and yada, yada, and then ba basically make it hard for them to be compliant. I, I heard there something about... There could still be a sell that happens where they sell uh, TikTok US to a US-based uh, uh, entity completely, and there it might not happen, just... We won't linger on TikTok too long, but I did hear like an interesting, uh, I guess I'll call it a conspiracy theory. Um, but is it true? Maybe one of you guys know, is it true that TikTok um, bans negative or controversial content on, on the Chinese version of TikTok, but they like promote it via the US, Germany, UK version of TikTok? Have you I guys mean, heard I, anything about that? I mean, I think it's not conspiracy uh, to think that they would ban uh, China critical content in China uh, itself. I, I hear it's, I it's deeper than I that, though. I think that's pretty much a given. Um, how they, I hear it's deeper than that. they promote it uh, specifically in other countries, this I wouldn't know. Okay. But I'm pretty sure like within China, it, if it doesn't get banned, then at least it gets basically shadow banned, receiving very low visibility that I would okay. think. Yeah, I, I mean, the the conspiracy I mean, there is, part. Go ahead. There is stuff that, that I read where people compared like Chinese teenager TikTok versus uh, US teenager TikTok and, and the one for the Chinese users was making you smarter and intelligent content and the other one That's had like just stupid content that is so but if that is like a a data point that is just not representative or, or if it is i cannot judge so i have i have no clue but i, I mean i would, I would possible overall overall it's optimized towards stickiness so if you're a user that tends to look for educational content regardless of whether you're in the eu us or in china then that's what uh, the algorithm will feed you simply so you keep coming back 
um, whether there's a bias in how much this is uh, preferred and suggested. Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's the chicken or egg problem. Like there's people who say that um, we're fed that content because we want it or do we want it because we're fed that stuff? And hey, this is to bring it back to our, our, our theme or our, our, our previous question. TikTok creates the right content for the right user on the right platform. So they're very good at doing like segmented content formats. So it seems that uh, TikTok's doing it right. I guess so. But anyway, bringing it back, guys, we're going to move on now to question two. And this one is going to be for Thomas. Um, and I'll just go ahead and get right into it. So question two, I have a good friend that was successful selling NFTs. That project kind of faded and lost momentum. Many people have made a lot of money from it. Others lost a ton. Lately, it seems like a lot of shady stuff is going on in the field. I'd like to learn more and get involved in Web3 because despite all of the negative developments, I see the potential. Hashtag more ownership and control for creators and stuff. But I am unsure how to do it and crucially unsure how to do it ethically. Okay, so this is like a, not just an execution question, but also an ethical question. You guys seem to know a bit about that stuff. So what Web3 approaches would you recommend to a medium video video creator like myself? And which should I refrain from? Pre appreciate the tips. And Ron is great. Wow. Uh, thank you. You guys seem to understand the space quite well. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Um, thank you for the compliment. And thank you for the question. I think this is a great question. It aligns very closely to what we do. Um, I think you just made that. It's Web3. I might have added that myself, but uh, you'll never <laughs> oh, know. I mean, yes. I mean, it's it's a fact, Ron. But uh, objective. So I guess let's let's start with the ethical with the ethical part of the question because I think it's an interesting one. Because of course, like he's alluding to, there, there is a lot of uh, a lot of stuff has happened in the NFT space that that is really sometimes shady, sometimes an outright scam. And uh, don't scam your users. So so let's turn it around. It's not only don't scam your users, but, but the starting point should be the question and finding a good answer of like, what provides value to my users? And then you can create something that your users will like. And if you are a video creator, most likely this has to do what your users want and value as much more to do with the video stuff you're doing than with nfts so so let me let me tell you a few things that that came to my mind and that i would recommend you so first of all if you don't sell nfts but use nfts to create a product that your fans want and give it a descriptive name so so don't sell them nfts so what can you do, for instance, you can, for instance, use NFTs to create something like an access pass, right? You have like people can buy this limited edition object and that gives them access to uh, special video content that only they can access. A bit like a membership club that you create um, using, using this as the membership ID card that only so and so many people can have. So if you want to do this, then maybe don't sell them the NFT, but sell them the access pass. Maybe find a cooler name depending on what fits to your to your uh, brand and what you do on your on your channel. I assume if you're a video creator, you're on YouTube. If not, sorry for that. Um, then 
another thing that you can do and that I would uh, think about, like with what is an NFT without getting too detailed into this, think of you have like unique or limited edition digital objects that your users really own that they cannot copy that which they can only transfer. So, so for instance, you could think about doing personalized unique videos that you turn into NFTs and you and you sell or give in some way to your users. So, so what <laughs> I mean, something that would be quite obvious and we should do it. Maybe we should start, soon start doing this. Answer questions could be videos, right? If we do an answer for a given user, if you if you join us on our Unify platform, we could give you an NFT. Maybe you could do something similar. And it's by the way super easy if you if you use Unify. Um, another an, another good idea because you also ask for what not to do and what should you refrain from. So I think one clear thing: don't promote NFT projects that you don't understand because they offer you a shitload of money. I mean, all the creators who did it. One of the biggest ones here in Germany is a guy called Montana Black. He happened to promote an NFT scam project, got a big pushback from from his community, rightfully so. So don't do this. And uh, don't create like speculative NFTs and promote them as a chance to get rich for for your fans, because then you enter this shady territory where you don't want to be. So, so long story short, look look at it as like a cool toolkit to provide these these limited editions and combine your your content, which is why the people follow you, why you have an audience in the first place, and then just use this instrument to create something that is valuable to them. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of an epidemic. I mean, when 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 you mentioned like what are the list of things not to do, I was like thinking, how much time do we have? Like, there's way <laughs> too many horrible use cases of, uh, especially in this past bull run that we just had. But essentially, the idea is this: like, there's an epidemic going around where people are starting to understand the power of like digital products, right? Like, what are the two main two core benefits of like digital products? They're highly scalable and they have significantly less overhead. It's the same reason that like SaaS is such a, a lucrative business model for a lot of companies, right? You create it once, you sell it, you know, infinite amount of times, times hosting or whatever. Um, and digital products have that same type of allure, especially Web3 stuff like NFTs, because not only are you doing that where you're selling digital products or not only were people doing that, um, that these digital products had this like like fugazi or faux value that was getting pumped up by the like perceived value of other users, right? And the incentive of those users to pump up the prices even more. So it was literally like, it's actually very clever how they did it. And as Thomas mentioned, it's like extremely scammy and it is just like a quick money grab. And it's like a fast ticket. I mean, like Thomas, your, your, your reference to, what is his name, Montana Black? Like a little bit of an of an obscure reference. I don't know if a lot of people know him, but an, a, a very big reference that maybe a lot of uh, listeners might know is Logan Paul. I mean, he did that um, something zoo. It's like where you buy an NFT of like an egg, and then and then you you can stake it and get tokens, and then the egg hatches. What is it, Jonas? I just said and hatch it. Ah, uh, and hatch it. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, I, th I thought you knew the name. I thought you you give me the name of it. But anyway, uh, turned out to be a scam. He a big PR backlash. He didn't know how to handle it. He released some statements saying that he'd refund people. 
created like a $10 million fund to refund some of the people who bought this stuff or 2 million or something like that. Um, so yeah, like this is like a huge YouTuber, right? Like a huge influencer, maybe one of the biggest digital Crypto creators, Zoo. especially in web three crypto zoo. There you go. Even the name of it, man, it's, it's a bunch of animals. Um, so yeah, like you essentially want to approach digital products, especially in web three with kid gloves. And you want to, you want to basically say like, I'm going to, to create a digital product that and treat it like it's a physical product. Like is a customer willing to pay for the, for the value that they're getting in this product. And you have to just keep telling yourself that you have to not, you know, fall into the, uh, yeah, fall, fall into like the greedy cesspool of web three. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a, an easy answer. I don't know, Jonas, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah. We recently talked to a, uh, football club and they had the following take which i think applies well to this what you just said basically when you th uh, think about selling an nft think about it as with any other product you want to sell usually a product has some sort of value proposition where you say hey that is what you get for your money and that something should be something that the user actually wants or needs otherwise you're not going to sell it because that it's going to get sold just because it says nft in front of it i think those times are pretty much over so think about it as with any other product what's the what's the value to the customer price it price it fairly and then uh, this is still a tool that uh, can work very well but uh, the vehicle. Have a value proposition yeah i would say especially with nfts treat them like vehicles treat them like vectors for value if that makes sense great thomas anything else to add nope any other ideas pop up cool so I guess the, uh, to, to, to neatly pack, package it in some way, don't do scammy shit and utilize NFTs as vehicles to give more, more, more value, whether it's access or whether it's actual, you know, products, you can actually attach discount codes to physical merchandise, you know, to some of these NFTs. And that's, that's a super, it's, maybe it's not uncreative, but it's effective. So, all right, guys. So question three. Um, this one is actually from my stepbrother. So this is, uh, I thought it was a good idea to ask him because I know that he's having trouble on TikTok. So here it is. I'll go ahead and read it. Um, I kind of accidentally grew a following on TikTok, making prank videos with my friends. We went viral with a specific prank video and our fans only want to see that format. Anytime we try to create new ideas, we lose followers. We're unsure how to continue, to be honest. Do we pivot or slowly sprinkle in new stuff? We feel kind of trapped. Thanks in advance. Uh, just to give a little more information, um, whenever they post other videos that don't follow this exact prank format, people will literally like comment on their videos, like, "Where's the other format?" Um, Can you maybe give you, because you shared it with us beforehand what what the format is that they're doing? Yeah. So, so him and his buddy Melvin, it's they're both soccer players. Um, they do these videos where one of them has like earplugs in or headphones and they'll make a phone call. It'll be on speaker. And the person that has headphones has to talk to the person on the phone. And the other person in the prank has to like give him like charades and kind of motion and try to gesture to tell him what to say. Basically so one, it's like, one person is listening, but not talking. And the other person yes. has to talk, but yes. ca cannot hear the person that they're yeah. calling. 
And it's funny, dude. He he went they went viral. He has like 60,000 followers on TikTok now. Um he's he's German, so it's yeah, he's like one 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 of the more uh successful German prank TikTokers in this area, I suppose. I don't know. I don't even know how you attract that, but yeah, so he's pigeonholed and he submitted this question and it kind of stumped me because um it, it it is a difficult one and it kind of has to be done through testing and you kind of have to slowly like claw your way out and it kind of I'm going to call back the previous episode of the Asset Creator Economist where we talked a lot about branding and in one of the questions we talk a lot about like niche niches and like finding a category finding um, a very specific topic that you can dominate. And this is like a perfect implementation of that or a perfect use case where they essentially have niche syndrome, which it's when you create content in a particular niche and you get pigeonholed and you get stuck creating content in that niche. Very, very straightforward. And you have two strategies to get out of it. The first one is like a brute force pivot. You essentially pivot. You tell all of your users, hey, we're switching. We're, we're going to do different content. We're done with this format. There's the door. If you want to leave, go ahead. If not, stick around. You essentially hit like a hard, hard refresh. I don't know if that's the that's the uh, recommended approach, but it is an approach. And the second one is like a gradual nurture and like a slow expansion of a pivot. And I know it's a little bit cringe to bring up a company like Amazon. How many people can replicate what Amazon does? But Amazon did exactly this with their product line, right? So I don't know if you guys remember, Amazon started as a bookstore. It was an online bookstore. Um, and there's actually like a reason for this. Basically, and, and I'm going to read this quote from Jeff Bezos. He said that books were great as the first bet or first best because books are incredibly unusual in one respect, that there are more items in the book category than there are items in any other category by far. So this is a simple like supply and demand type of type of um, approach where books were a super effective product. That's why they started with it, but they slowly expanded. Right. So what that's what that's called is called establishing a beachhead. I've, I've heard it referred by that from a couple of other like product marketing type people. Um, you establish a beachhead where you establish like an expertise in a particular niche, but and then you slowly expand and you slowly take over other smaller niches that run parallel to your niche. Um, so I think that's like the type of advice that I would give to my, my stepbrother is that he needs to start creating content that run parallel to that prank video. So unfortunately for him, that might include other types of pranks that might include, and, and if he wants to be sneaky or creative, he can do prank videos that are parallel. He can also do like behind the scenes of the pranks. Right. So like that's a way to start to slowly add in like, OK, now this is us, how we really are not in like a prank format. You guys can see a little bit about us. So that's how you kind of like create the pyramid and you kind of expand by doing that. So the, I mean, I mean, that's my like like the best type of advice I can I can do. But going back to what I originally said, um, you have to do it in like a, a very like uh, quantitative approach or qualitative approach where you're looking at what content is resonating with fans, what type of content can I produce that has me lose the least amount of followers? So you kind of have to like track stuff. So each time you publish content, look at your look at your analytics, look at your data, and slowly start to expand your beachhead into different categories. 
and you might suffer some some casualties. You know, as you established the beachhead, you might lose some followers, but it's I think the best approach to yeah getting out of that hole that you guys kind of see yourselves in. One thing that you could also do is uh, basically something that Ron said earlier uh, when we were talking about the first question. YouTube Shorts is maybe a great opportunity that is still not fully yeah. overused. Um, maybe you can uh, set up set up an account there. I mean, I'm sure you probably have, but uh, publish some some of the TikTok pranks there. Um, but then kind of test whether the reactions from the audience are slightly different there, and whether they are more open to seeing a variety of stuff. If you enjoy doing a variety of stuff. Yeah, go yeah. omni-channel. See whether maybe this might be <laughs> a way out. Yeah, yeah, that's actually I a think... super good point, Jonas. Yeah, go I ahead, agree. Honestly. I think that makes a that makes a lot of sense. But like taking it to first principles, I mean, one fact of like content creation is you, you cannot do it over an endured period of time if you are not passionate about the stuff you're doing and if you just get annoyed by, by prank videos and doing these prank videos you need to stop doing them and you need to start doing the other stuff so if you still enjoy doing the pranks but you would just like to do other stuff as well I think following the advice that Ron gave makes, makes a whole lot of sense but but also trust a bit in yourself and your instincts because you cannot bang out stuff just because you know there is an audience if you hate doing it because it will make you it will make you very unhappy it will not inspire you and the quality is going to suffer from from that so so that is probably the one the one like not soft skill but but exactly. soft advice i would i would throw in as well because all of us who create stuff do certainly do our best work if we enjoy doing uh, putting the work in on what we are currently creating yeah yeah and if you are not passionate about the type of content you're creating then maybe the brute force pivot is you know is the play but just yeah back to what jonas said um like platform transitions are like a fantastic opportunity to find a new audience. And I don't know how many people who came early to TikTok have made careers because of that. And that's just kind of like a side tip for, for all of the, the, the creators who have, who have emailed us or submit questions. New platforms represent the, the biggest opportunity for anyone. Now, how many of the platforms that spring up turn out to be dog shit and they don't exist after a while? Probably most of them. But if you do get in early with certain, I mean, I can think of some people who became influencers because of Clubhouse. Clubhouse doesn't really exist anymore, but they're still, what's the verb that influence, influencing? They're still out there influencing. Yeah. 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 So it kept their audience. Yeah, exactly. So these people created, um, yeah, they created the right mechanisms where they can maintain an audience. Maybe they had a unified platform, you know. Maybe that's that's the uh, that's the thing that they use to maintain some of those clubhouse users. Um, so yeah, that's just like a, a 
a little cherry on top, a little side tip. Thomas, you look like you got something. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean like when, when you talked about like the, these brute force changes, I thought about like, like different musicians and some, sometimes there are, there are people who just like, they, they, they do this one album, but then they do the second album and it's completely different than the one they did before. And, and then of course the fans will complain, but sometimes these are still great works of music and they will find, the, find a new fan base. But, but of course music is a bit of a different genre, but I think if you are on TikTok with this prank, I mean, you, I, I would say it's in the entertainer category. And of course, it also depends on what your what your goals are, right? But something that happened often to to comedians or actors, even if you mostly do one thing, then this will also become your thing, which you are famous for. Which, on the one hand, is quite cool because you have this recognizable thing that you are doing, but you can also really put yourself in a corner where you will always you will I, 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 probably you guys have some actors in mind, but you will always play the the fighting guy who is an asshole in movies because you did this one role or you will never get another role like if you played uh, uh, El Bundy uh, it it will take 20 years or so until until modern family comes along and you get a new role because you're just this He's one guy character, you, you can't imagine Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> yeah. in a stupid role yeah it's just always like, this super intelligent uh guy that is true yeah and and so now it really depends if you if you want to have this niche tony stark robert downey yeah like he can't can't have a role with low self-esteem impossible yeah (laughs) i mean robert downey jr has probably he's had the biggest career pivot ever though because i feel like early in his career he was kind of like have you guys seen the movie Zodiac? Yeah. No. He's like this kind it's of like super fast low. talking but like drug addicted journalist kind of gets gets pushed pushed around by the police a little bit. And now he's like, you know, billionaire playboy intelligent. I don't know. Maybe it's not the biggest pivot, but interesting. It's a big one, noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, but but so if that does, if if you want to more do it, like okay, I want to write this one thing that I do for as long as possible and and make as much money as I can from it, then probably do this. If you if you feel like you're more of a versatile entertainer, you want to do different things in your life, play around with different formats, then do. And maybe even like if if you think tick, on on TikTok the audience doesn't go with you, then maybe start a podcast and do something completely different and and you may take only x percent of your followers to this other to this other thing but you can still uh, start experimenting in a completely new environment with with a almost fresh start i i I told my stepbrother um when he first told me about this i said dude you need to find what your unfair advantage is so this is kind of a, a concept that i've heard a couple of other um like digital creators talk about digital creators that teach digital creators um, and they talk about this unfair advantage concept of where it's essentially, if you're trying to t- trying to become um, a brand or trying to create a brand, like what's the thing that you bring to the table that few others have? And it's kind of like a existentially um, angst inducing question to ask yourself because you might, you might not have that thing. Um, at least I don't like asking myself that. Um, but it is an important question you have to ask, like, what are some of the skills or experiences or, or, you know, any type of concept or element about yourself that you bring to the table that others might be interested in and that others might not have, 
right? So I, I told my, my, my stepbrothers and his Mirza, I said, you and Melvin, the guy that you're doing these videos with, you guys are both, um, I don't even know how it works in Germany, but he's a, a semi-pro football player, like division seven or something like that. I don't know exactly what number, but not, not horrible. But I said, dude, why don't you do like videos about that? Like there aren't too many division seven football players we're also like funny and willing to do like stupid shit on TikTok. Like th those are your unfair advantages. Like utilize that somehow. And uh, yeah, I think generally, you know, for content creators, just try to differentiate yourselves again, go check out the last podcast we did on branding, which kind of talks a little bit about um, different differentiation and tone and format and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Anybody else got anything else? No, nothing nope. more to add. I think uh, to me personally, the little banter episode at the very beginning worked well, and I think we can stick to this. Yeah. Maybe as a little recap with the audience still on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a nice way to start an episode, you know? You want to like a little bit of seduction before the, uh, the hard advice comes in. So anyway, guys, right. thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining me on this episode. If you guys do like the podcast, please give it a like and a rating. It really helps uh, increase the reach. Share it with a friend. Share it with another creator who's having issues. Head over to unify.io slash podcast. I'll have that in the show notes. You guys can submit your questions. There's like a type form somewhere near the bottom of that page. Head over. Submit your questions, and we will do our best to get to them in, the, in future episodes. Thank you guys for joining me, and I will catch you guys in the next episode.